Thank you for tuning in to this fourth episode of the Good Steward Podcast, the podcast for Canadians who desire to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to them. For this episode, I'm once again joined by Craig Ferguson, and we sit down and discuss a couple very important foundational topics, cash flow and budgeting. Thanks for tuning in. Well, welcome to this fourth episode of the Good Steward Podcast. I'm Brian Hilt, and once again, welcome back, Craig Ferguson, to the podcast. Thanks for being back on, Craig. Thank you very much, Brian. Hello, everyone. So today, Craig, our topic is, I guess, what I would refer to as a foundational principle or a basic financial principle, and uh, why don't you introduce it for the listeners? All right, uh, so today we're going to talk about cash flow and budgeting, two very related topics. Um, I know as the non-expert here, budgeting, okay, that sets off a bell. I know budgeting, I've heard of budgeting. Uh, There's all kinds of material on budgeting. Cash flow is probably lesser known. People don't usually, I don't think, not in my experience, people don't usually think in terms of cash flow. Uh, They should. And we'll get into that, uh, but it's not as well known. So with cash flow and budgeting, we're actually going to start, first of all, with that uh, lesser known term, cash flow. Brian, uh, would you be able to give an overview of what is meant by cash flow? I'll do my best. So once again, this is where some of your value comes in, Craig, uh, because uh, <laughs> if I start using any terminology, which uh, is industry lingo in quotes, then feel free to tell me I haven't went far enough. Okay, sounds good. I'm ready. So we often think of cash flow in terms of businesses, that you have a statement of cash flow, et cetera. But what we're talking about here in in one's personal life, cash flow is in simple terms, the flow of money, the flow of money in and out of a person's accounts. And for most of us who are on this end of the mic or on the listening end, That's the flow of money in and out of a bank account. Mm -hmm. I suppose it could be the flow of money not involving a bank account, but for most of us, it involves a bank account and plastic probably today. Right. So it's the cash. And by cash, I mean money coming into one's account from a variety of sources. The most common, of course, is income from employment. Uh, Other sources could be pension income, could be rental income, could be investment income. If you're thinking of a chart, though, and you think of the two-column chart, this is anything on the plus side, anything which is in addition to your bank account coming in. So you you have flow in, you also have flow out. So opposite of that is money going out of one's accounts. This is, I think, quite obvious to the listeners. This is you spending money on whatever that may be. It could be your house. It could be on fuel for your vehicle. It could be on your contributions to retirement plans. It could be paying tuition, uh, giving in church, et cetera, et cetera. Anything that's a negative on the bank account that brings the balance down. So you put those together and that's basically cash flow. It's cash flow in, cash flow out, but it's the actual what's happening. So I have a little bit of a question that's not related to uh, our specific outline, but it is related to what you've said about cash flow, that money coming in and that money coming out. 
uh, what struck me right away was a question regarding taxes. Uh, what would you say, wh wh what category are we talking about for taxes? Would you be in the camp that would say count all of that money that's supposed to be coming in? Say you're someone who does taxes at the end of the year, pays it all out. Um, how, or maybe you're someone like me who pays taxes as you go. How, how would you account for taxes in something like cash flow? That's a, that's a really good question. I hate answering this way, but the answer is it depends. Okay. And I say that not as a cop out, but I'll, I'll explain why with a few examples. So for you, if you get paid biweekly or monthly and you know what it's going to be that you get paid and your taxes are withheld at source and you have a couple years of experience uh, where you know that the taxes withheld yeah. result in a tax refund, well, then you're really dealing with the net amount that comes into your bank account and figuring off of that. Now, if you take someone who is self-employed and maybe has to do remittances on a quarterly basis or maybe on an annual basis, depending on their situation, then they're going to have to account for that on the outside. They're certainly going to have to account for it on their budget too, where you might, when it and this is fast forwarding a little bit, but you might on your budget not have to have a line for taxes because you're right. dealing with net. Yep. They're going to have to have a line for taxes on okay. a quarterly basis. Okay, so this is why self-employed people tend to um, be more sensitive to taxation and they say taxation is theft and the rest <laughs> of us are going, oh, okay, I just never counted on having that money or I didn't see it leaving my accounts. So maybe that's why there's some uh, angst about that. Mm -hmm. uh, I also don't like taxes, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine for someone who is self-employed, that'd be very difficult or not very difficult, but you know, you have that money coming in, it feels good. You've got the, that income and then you're going, oh man, I've still got to send that off. Then I know I'm getting a refund. Okay, good. Um, so then as far as cash flow goes, cash flow in, uh, or rather cash in, cash out, is this something that people should be tracking? Because it sounds like maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one of those questions that we ask and the obvious answer is, well, yeah, yeah. I, uh, my opinion is yes. And I don't think that that's really that debatable even. Um, but I would say yes. Now, in practicality, I think it's best if it's tracked on a monthly basis. I don't think it has to be tracked on a weekly basis. For example, it could uh, monthly fits into how our lives work. You get bank statements on a monthly basis, etc. I suppose it could be tracked even on a quarterly basis, right? Etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But the point is that, and I think at minimum, it should be done on an annual basis for a couple month period. So I say that to say it can be somewhat intimidating, maybe if somebody were to. Uh, you know, not be tracking and then think, well, now I have to track every expense every month, etc. But we're laying the groundwork in this for the next part, which is budgeting. And so tracking is foundational because you have to know where things are going. So the purpose is quite simple in order to have that foundation upon which to build the next block, which would be the budgeting. You need to know where the cash is coming from and where it's going to. And you can't just take one month because sometimes one month is really lopsided. Right. So we just talked about business owners. Yep. If you're a business owner and you have an HST payment that's due on a quarterly basis and you only did one month and you missed your HST, well, your budget's 
going to be thrown way off. Right. So you have to track over a period where that's then a realistic sample size that you can replicate. Right. So if your month to month spending is relatively unchanged, tracking it for a few months to really dial in, and then you can use that to build and then come back to it every once a year or something, that might work. But it, but if your period which you need to be able to replicate is mm-hmm. three months, well, you better use a three month period and apply that. Right. That makes sense. Um, so I'm going to flip the question around on you a little bit, Craig. And when it comes to cash flow, plus side, minus side, or income expenses, um, do you track? Not to put you right on the spot, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, for us, yeah, actually, we do track uh, the that money coming in and that money going out. Um, I would say, especially, you know, right when we, were, when we came into a new financial situation, um, we had to get used to, like, we moved here a couple of years ago. Uh, from living in the states, and so there's a lot of differences in uh, living expenses and where the money goes and whatnot. But um, one thing that probably taught us to do it was necessity. Um, we were in a situation uh, right away after getting married. I started to uh, start my pre-sem classes, and Erica was working. And then we had Mara, so Erica stayed home, and I was still going to class. Didn't have any work at the time, or or very little work. I was working at the library. Um, but because of that, we were dipping into savings. Now, as far as money coming in, money coming out, there wasn't a whole lot coming in. Uh, and so that maybe touches more on budgeting, but that awareness. And I think that's something cash flow and budgeting, from what I can tell, are both going to really touch on is this awareness of where money is, how it's being spent. Not an obsession, but an awareness of it. And that's um, that, that was definitely the case for us right away. And then... Now we're a little bit more relaxed about it. Uh, you're right. I like that you brought up that you can't just use one month. Um, people uh, who are listening have probably their own experiences that corroborate that. For us, we had a surprise furnace replacement one month, uh, and you're never going to do that again. Or right when you move, you've got all kinds of one-time expenses. So those aren't really good indicators. Um, but for us, um, yeah, no, we do, and we found it to be extremely helpful. So. For those listening, if you don't do it, really, you should certainly start. It is a good practice. Maybe to take that and say, yep, okay, you track. Now, practically speaking, uh, what have you found to be the best way to do that? Do you use uh, like a mint.com? Do you keep a spreadsheet? Do you keep like a, you know, a college bound spiral notebook that you, you know, on a practical basis when you go and do that what do you do so yeah we use a spreadsheet it's been really good um i think that one thing that's nice about it too is even just manually having to enter all that stuff in and you're going through everything and and organizing it and classifying things that's a good practice to go through too so yeah and and i actually am much the same i have tried mint.com mm-hmm. went through all the process of linking all the credit card accounts and everything like that and it might be a fantastic platform but I just didn't use it and I think part of the reason I didn't use it was it's it's hard to make as tangible as I think it needed to be what I did like about it was there's certain parts when it comes to budgeting that we'll touch on that um, 
are nice because it might be something that you typically want to track on a yearly basis instead of on a monthly basis. And that aspect of it was nice, but for tracking cash flow, I really don't think there's a, a replacement, my opinion, mm-hmm. for going through it manually and either entering it manually or keeping it on hard copy somewhere. Right. But there's something about that manual entry and this gets into teaching mm-hmm. probably more so than oh, yeah. <laughs> where there's something about that that helps ingrain it a bit. Oh, for sure. Now, I have a question for you related to this. Do you think that um, automatic payments are something that can help you keep track of, of things? Is there a, you know, from that point of view, is there a beneficial side to automatic payments, making sure that they always come out at the same time or, or, mm-hmm. or not? Yeah. Um, as pertains to cash flow, Automatic payments, you account for them almost the same as everything else. Now, right. the result is if you take something and you put it over a 12-month period, you have regular cash flow. It's easy, right? We, right. Yeah. Um, from a cash flow perspective, it is what it is. But certainly from a budgeting perspective and an actual you know, application or implementation, I'm a fan of automated payments. Yep. There is a little bit of a risk per se that um, if you automate everything and you don't go back and go through your cash right, flow. Right. Yeah. You uh are almost desensitized to that money that's yeah. going out. Yeah. I can believe that. So, but if you still make a diligent effort to come back and revisit the cash flow side, yeah. I think they work well. There's certainly systems, I think YNAB um is one as well that might be an app um anyways, there's there's a plethora of them and we um I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but I'll certainly put links in the show notes to some that, um, some apps and such that, that people can use. When it comes to uh, managing one's money, we've talked about cash flow. So that being tracking and knowing where the money is spent, that being the foundational first step. Now armed with that information, one can move on to what I would call the, the B word, the budgeting word. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a fan of that word, hence why I put it in air quotes, uh, because it often has a negative connotation, I think. And if it has a negative connotation, we, we tend to push back on it. Right, resist. Oh, you know, your budget. Oh, did you go over the budget? You know, yeah. That often gets thrown out. So, so maybe I'm probably going to use the word budget because it's so common, but I'd prefer really for it to be considered as a cash use or a spending plan. Okay. Um, maybe gives it a little more positive spin. Yeah. No, I can see that. And really, it's interesting you bring that up because there is a psychological aspect uh, to budgeting and to being willing to do it and wanting to do it and caring to do it. Um, so I can see messaging matters. But uh, we're like Brian said, we're going to stick with the word budgeting for now. People are familiar with it. Um, so then, Brian, in simple terms, what is budgeting? I think simple terms, the simple way that I thought of to put it is budgeting is simply making a plan for future spending to ensure that one lives within their means, that the pluses are greater than or equal to the Mm -hmm. minuses. Mm -hmm. So then as co-host of the uh, Good Steward podcast, I have to ask you, what is budgeting for a Christian? Fantastic question. Uh, I think it's important that we address this aspect as well for a Christian. So as a Christian, we touched on the first couple episodes, uh, well, episodes two and three, that we're to be stewards of our master's goods, that we're to 
be stewards of what belongs to him. So thus, we're accountable to God for where those resources go. So for a Christian, budgeting takes on a different approach, I guess. A budget is really a stewardship plan. It's planning out, laying out where we are going to use God's money. And that makes budgeting a, a lot more weighty manner, matter. Yes, it does. Um, when, we, when we place budgeting in that context, it can't but become quite weighty. Uh, the question of where this goes and, and what to do with it. It brings in, we talked about awareness, and I think that that's a factor too as a Christian. Uh, we live in a time that is so thoughtless, a time that is so whimsical. Um, we live in the time of the impulse purchase. There's so many uh, uses of money that are just impulsive and passionate. For a Christian in connection with budgeting, like you said, if it is a stewardship plan that kind of takes for granted, we're going to be thinking about this. This has to be a thoughtful use. Um, and so I think that's, it. for me as a Christian and how I view money, it starts with thinking. It starts with caring about where this money goes and giving good thought to it. So, so Craig, uh, do you have any budgeting tips? Budgeting tips. Oh boy. Um, well, I think it's going to sound kind of funny. It depends on your situation. And I'm not speaking as an expert here. I'm just speaking as a normal Joe. Uh, budgeting matters a lot to our family. Uh, if you want to get good at budgeting, and this is maybe tongue in cheek, it is tongue in cheek, maybe uh, don't have very much. Uh, when you start off with, with little, as most young couples do, this is a great time to learn and to build up budgeting skills, uh, but it does require that you be on the same page. And this is actually true um, for anyone. Unity within yourself or unity with your spouse on this topic is really important. Um, if you have one who is a you know, very thrifty, economical person who, who's careful, or maybe one is a miser and doesn't want to spend money on anything uh, and just clutches their purse really tight, or perhaps you have the one who spends money on everything. But you need to figure that out first. I think that's a, a good place to begin for budgeting in a family or in a home. Um, so, But I do think that's actually applicable to individuals as well who are budgeting for themselves. Um, you kind of have to take a look at who you are. So I'm saying self-examination. I'm saying looking in at yourself and saying, well, now, do I have these warring parts of me where part of me is like going crazy, spending money here, there, and everywhere? Do I have an area of weakness where when I'm going to that store, I just always spend money there and I don't want to, but I come out and I go, oh boy, I did it again. Uh, do you have those worrying things? I think, first of all, you have to have a unified, dedicated, resolved approach to it where you say, this matters, I'm going to be committed to it. Um, and unified within yourself, unified with your spouse, with your family, uh, that's an important place to start. I agree. And I think that even if you look at stats, and this is just look at worldly stats, worldly stats would say that one of the number one stressors in a marriage is money. Right. Because there's, you know, uh, you're, you're attracted to your opposite. That's often thrown around, whatever. I don't yep. really like that phrase, but let's just, just go with it for the yeah. moment. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that often can be in, in spending. Right. And, uh, or not even necessarily in spending, but in, in somebody's sensitivity to it. Right. You know, you may have two people who actually neither one 
spend more than the other. They're, they, by and large, they agree on all these things, but one's more sensitive to it hmm. than the other is. Yep. And uh, so it's, I think that that's important. That's a foundational thing. You got to start with that. Um, for us, I guess I admit it's something that uh, I've set my mind to a lot more recently. Um, that's been caused by uh, numerous things. One being leaving previous employment to being self-employed. Another being uh, having our, our house um, and some adjustments there. But then the other being simply that I've been studying stewardship a lot more right. in depth. And so in that context, then now budgeting takes on, sounds like a cliche phrase, takes on a whole new meaning, but it, it, does. it really does. Yep. And uh, so I've experimented. I mentioned before, I experimented with mint.com. There's other apps. Um, I mentioned I'll put those in the show notes and such, but um, I'll, I'll reemphasize that when it comes to budgeting, I really don't think that there's a better thing than doing it manually. Yeah. So what my mother did growing up was she used a notebook and my dad was a state trooper and so got paid every two weeks. Right. And he knew exactly what the check was going to be. And that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And he knew exactly what it was going to be. And most expenses were paid on a monthly basis. Yeah. So she would go through and she would put in the check. And then she would put in on one side and then she would put it on the other column. She would list all the expenses that had to come out of that particular check. Okay. And then if there was any positive or negative at the bottom, and then that was then the money that was not like a free spend, right? but that was really in our house growing up. It was the money then that you had had for groceries basically. Right. Yeah. And then she would do that for every check. And I remember that if you do get paid, every two weeks, then there's some months you get paid three times. Oh and yeah. Those yep. were the bonus months. Those are bonus right? months. <laughs> so, yep. um, so I take somewhat of a similar approach now where I actually, I don't even lately, I haven't even used a spreadsheet. Yep. I use a pen and a paper and I go Just, through columns and I add it up. Yep. And, uh, and that really makes it feel more real for me. Right. Um, so I, I think, you know, speaking of, of those tips, um, you know, the one that I gave was was more of a, uh, I don't know, holistic or, or fundamentalist approach. But um, I think that uh, those are that's a that's a good plan that uh, your parents use and that you use. Um, uh, other possible er- areas to consider would be uh, starting with an annual plan. Uh, I that's what we do. We start with an annual plan. We know our annual expenses. And, and when you're making this budget, don't budget to the lowest possible. Don't budget really like, oh, it probably won't cost that much. Uh, don't don't budget with that view. Uh, but if you're going to round, round up. Don't round down. Uh, if you have an expense that's coming up, don't go with the lowest estimate of what it possibly could be. Uh, if you do that, then you start setting your heart on what else you could do with the money that you have left over. And then, you know, you come to that point and you go, it's not there. And now you feel, oh man, we can't do what we want it to do. I think you have to stop, take a look at what the real expenses are going forward, be realistic about them, even give very uh, liberal estimates of how much things are going to cost. And then work from there with what you've got that's what we do um it it has worked well for us there were there was one time 
because I receive checks. I don't receive direct deposit. There was one time uh, a bunch of expenses came due all at the same time, and we had just enough <laughs> without dipping it, dipping down into zero. So that was kind of a shocker for us. And yet it was also kind of a wake-up call for us too because we didn't really consider the fact, oh, we've got to really make sure we have that buffer. And to have a buffer is a good thing, period, I think, and to budget for a buffer, to make sure that you maintain a buffer, um, not just, you know, money in, money out, um, we're going to spend and it's all gone, or we're going to spend and we'll just have a little bit here in this savings account over there uh, that you can't have access to very easily or, or whatever, but make sure you have a buffer that you can dip into if you need to. So that was, that's been pretty important for us. Yeah, I agree. And in, in my financial planner brain would uh, say three to six months um, yep. expenses being on the side. Um, that's a good place to start okay. at least just to shoot for three to six months being uh, call it an emergency fund or buffer, whatever yep. it may be. Um, and once again, though, I think with budgeting as a whole. So to back up, so you've tracked your cash flow. Yep. And now you have categorized those or you should categorize those into a few general topics. You know, this is housing expenses. This is, you know, clothing. This is food. This is this. You look for an average or pattern and then you set that mm -hmm. and that's your budgeted amount. Right. And I think one of the faults that gets tied to budgeting is that they're not flexible. Right. And so it becomes this club that's ready to smack you. Right. And you're going to play whack-a-mole with your budget. Yeah. When, it's hanging over you all the time. Yeah. You know, life changes. And so you may have to adjust the budget. Yeah. Don't be afraid of that when it needs to be adjusted. But it has to be adjusted to say, okay, now if if I'm spending more here, mm -hmm. it's got to go down somewhere else. Right. Um, so um, a few other things that I can think of. Um, well, one in particular, a lot of bank plans have options for multiple accounts. Um, I know my bank plan does. I don't even know how many I can have under it. I whatever. Yeah. I have a few different checking accounts. Um, that can be a useful tool for somebody. So right. specifically, if you're say you pay your property taxes quarterly, or you uh, you maybe go shopping for clothes for school for kids once a year, and that basically is the only time you buy clothes all year. Right. But you get paid monthly it can be useful to take the annual number and on a monthly basis automate how much right. goes into those other accounts. Okay. Um, and That's so if they're idea. included on your banking plan, it's a easy way to get it out so that you don't sit on a balance where you look at it and go, mm, well, yeah, we can go out for steak tonight. And all of a sudden now you don't have that right. when you need it. Yep. Um, we'll compile some additional resources for you listeners. I'll have them in the show notes. Uh, you can find them at thegoodstewardpodcast.ca backslash three. I actually should correct that. There's no the in front. It's goodstewardpodcast.ca backslash. And actually, it's going to be episode four. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so goodstewardpodcast.ca backslash four. Anything else on the topic of budgeting? Uh, or cash flow today, Craig? I do. Uh, I have one more thing. Um, we have touched on budgeting in general. We've talked about it as especially, as really anyone could talk about 
budgeting. I think budgeting also from the point of view of the steward is important. Uh, we talk about future spending and there's certain things that have to be ticked off first, I, I believe. Uh, that's how we do it in our home. Uh, our budgeting ticks off certain areas first and those are the causes of God's kingdom. Uh, you begin there. Uh, it's easy, it's very easy to fall into the habit of uh, spend, 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 and then, oh, this is what we have left over, and, and okay, there now. Now we give it to God. Now now we give it in the collection plan. Now we give it uh, for the causes of his kingdom. But that's backwards, uh, and you, and you want to switch that up, make sure that those are always first. I remember um, when I was doing my confession of faith, one of the elders who in our small church was also a deacon before, and then you know, he kind of was an elder, then a deacon, then an elder, then a deacon, um, but his, his word of encouragement at confession of faith was remember that money isn't yours. It belongs to God. And because it belongs to God, it first must be used according to his causes and for the sake of his kingdom. And that as kind of a rule over our budgeting as a family has been very important. And it's something I shot. I thought we should bring up on this podcast is that money has to be prioritized. And there's a spiritual prioritization that a Christian has to bring to their budget. Yeah. And that, <laughs> I chuckle only because I think, I look and I see that we're at about 33 minutes. <laughs> and I go, oh man, do we open this door? Or do we have a separate episode about the, uh, you know, being a, not only giving, but cheerfully giving? Yes. Yeah. Which can only come from being cheerful because you're giving it back to God, God. Yes. you're giving to God yep. and uh, that he gives you that cheerfulness and that willingness. I think we'll leave it at that though, but it's, but your point was fantastic. And I appreciate that you brought it up that the top line on any budget for a Christian ought to be giving to God. Yep. 100%. Very good. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up, Craig. I think that that was something that, indeed should be addressed on this episode. Um, so I think we'll leave it at that though for today. Uh, thanks for hosting with me again today, Craig. My pleasure. Uh, I look forward to many more of these in the future. I think uh, I'm going to develop a lot in going through yeah. this podcast. Oh, for sure. Me too. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this fourth episode of the Good Steward Podcast. If you'd like to ask a question to be answered on the show or have a suggestion for a topic, please submit it to question at goodstewardpodcast.ca. If you are edified through the podcast, please subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Finally, please join our Facebook group, The Good Steward Podcast, and follow us on Twitter where we share episodes and other relevant content. Tune in again next time for another episode of The Good Steward Podcast.